0: or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. I'd like to welcome you back to part two of the seven principles of self-coached healing. In this week's episode, you'll learn about the illusion of control, the habit nature of emotional struggle, the reality that healthy thinking is a choice, and the fact that a good coach needs to be a good motivator, and that's you. I think you'll find that these seven principles will equip you to take your life back from the reflexive, neurotic thinking that has tarnished your emotional life. So let us begin. So principle number four is very important. Control is an illusion, not an answer. So, we know now that insecurity creates a feeling of vulnerability. And when you feel vulnerable, you try to control life. It's natural. Maybe it might even start out as a constructive desire. But a controlled life always invites emotional struggle, anxiety, depression. Insecurity happens to be quite greedy. The more control you have, the more you seek. The reason? It's the carrot. Nothing ever makes you feel secure enough. You know, sometimes we rely on, Money, status, power—I had that house. I could afford that car. I could just get that promotion. You know, we, we're just trying to feel more in control, and you're kind of kicking the can down the road, allowing insecurity to dupe you into thinking that that you can control life. And I should make the distinction when I say control life, because I mentioned a little bit earlier that you know there is good control. As I said, the vitamins, the seat belts, you know, just keeping calendars and just trying to anticipate meetings and stuff. But this we're talking about over-controlling life, the neurotic over-controlling that promotes a stressful life. And it's stress that really gets to us because, you see, trying to over-control life or the illusion that you can control life, it generates stress, and stress depletes chemically, physiologically, emotionally. So it's the stress-generated by a controlling life, a neurotically controlling life, that begins to erode our emotional balance. That's why medications work. We've so depleted ourselves that now we need to restore our balance, our basic homeostatic mechanisms, our balancing mechanisms, can't handle it anymore. There's just too much depletion. That's why medication can facilitate therapy. But what self-coaching tries to help you understand is that if we can stop the motor, that which is reinforcing the neurotic thinking, the neurotic reacting, if we can slow down and stop that motor, then your body can naturally begin to restore its own emotional chemical balance. And when I say that control is an illusion, I'm sure you can understand that as much as we try to manipulate control life. It's a fool's errand. It's the little boy putting his finger in the hole to stop the dam from coming through. Or it's the child on the beach building a castle and just trying to build the wall higher and higher so the waves can't take it away. We don't control life. If you feel you need to control your life, if you feel you need to worry yourself into controlling life, anticipating life, if you do it through compulsively trying to manipulate and handle things compulsively, perfectionistically, eventually the dam breaks because life itself, like the ocean and the waves coming in on that sandcastle, ultimately cannot be controlled. But the reason we reinforce our neurotic tendencies because, especially when these were first being inculcated into your your mind as a child and becoming habituated over time, because they did appear to give us some temporary relief. But if you're honest, and that's what we're after, we're after that healthy, mature, objective understanding. You know, and perhaps you've always known, that controlling life is an illusion. You can do it for a bit. Your strategies of control will work a little bit, maybe a lot longer, but eventually... Life comes and rears its head and we're out of control. We catch a cold, COVID. We trip on a banana peel. We lose our job. People disappoint us. I call it a control juggle, just like a juggler is juggling balls in the air. We have various controlling strategies. Maybe worrying is one of your controlling strategies, one of the balls in the juggle. Maybe another is perfectionism. Maybe another is manipulation. Whatever the balls of your control are. The things that you're juggling, well, that gives you the temporary relief that you feel, as long as the juggle is intact. But if the juggle begins to falter and those balls begin to crash down, well, that's where we start to experience our own neurosis, problems, depressions, anxieties. From a self coaching standpoint, the answer is and will always be self trust, because controlling life diminishes self trust. We lose trust in ourselves, we have now erected the God called control, and we've invested ourselves in trying to control life rather than ourselves. So what's happened? The trust muscle deteriorates. That in us, which is neurotic, begins to become muscle-bound, and we keep trying to control life. And now you know from principle number four, control is just an illusion. So don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can worry yourself out of your struggles, that you can manipulate yourself out of your struggles. That's not the answer. The answer is going to be self trust. Now we move on to principle number five. Insecurity is a habit and any habit can be broken. It's very important to you to understand that if you struggle, you're struggling because of habits. Now, I know it's a stretch to think of anxiety and depression as habits. Now, I know it's a stretch to think about anxiety, depression as habits. But think about it a second. If, in fact, anxiety and depression are preceded by insecurity-driven thinking, and if you weren't born insecure, then you had to have learned to be insecure. All children are ill-equipped to adequately cope with their early traumas, their conflicts, their misunderstandings, their losses. So some degree of insecurity is inescapable. We've learned to feel self-doubt. We've learned to feel self-distrust. And if these attitudes are reinforced, what happens? Well, they become habits, just like any other habit. Think of the habits in your life. Maybe you're a Caffeine addict or a cigarette addict or a worry addict, all well, those worry warts. <laughs> Habits begin maybe inadvertently because something in that habit gave you that momentary perception of relief, distraction, made you feel less vulnerable, a bit more in control. Now, this is the primitive stages, but but if you come back to that tendency if you reinforce it again and again and reinforce it through a lifetime, then you have people as adults saying, I've always been anxious. I've been depressed all my life. Well, certainly you've been reinforcing that habit all your life. And if the motor is insecurity-driven thinking that has not changed, why do you think you're going to change unless you change the thinking that supports and continues to reinforce the habits, the habits of insecurity. Principle number six, healthy thinking is a choice. Maybe it sounds ludicrous to you to think that, especially if you suffer from anxiety or depression, it's not easy to consider that to be a choice that you're making. Well, not a conscious choice. of. Con- no one decides, well, I'd like to feel anxious today. Of course not. And perhaps you can't stop certain thoughts from popping into your mind that disturb you. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting in touch with the voice of insecurity and that thought that percolates up into your mind from the less than conscious areas of your mind, that backdrop of insecurity. And the backdrop of insecurity, as I mentioned, is that which is kind of chronic through your life. These are the habits that have become solidified and everything else in your life plays off of this backdrop, just like the backdrop or the scenery in a play. The action takes place in front of that, but the scenery affects the tone of the play. So maybe you can't control a thought from popping into your mind. That that maybe came from the realm, the reflexive realm of insecurity, the child reflex. But where you have a choice is that you don't have to follow these thoughts around. You know, it's like a dog on a leash. Poor dog's They don't have much choice when they're on a leash. They can't tell us, hey, unleash me. I want to roam. But there is no leash. There is no collar around your neck other than insecurity trying to convince you that you don't have a choice, that you must be led around by the leash of insecurity. When you say, I can't do it, I'm going to fail, you're obviously being challenged. But are you choiceless? Are you, in fact, powerless? And the answer is a resounding no. This is a habit. So what do you do with habits? Well, you stop reinforcing the habits any way you can. So how are you reinforcing your habits of insecurity? Perhaps the three most typical ingredients of how insecurity habits get reinforced are whenever you embrace and coddle doubts fears, and negativity. These are the crumbs that feed your anxiety and depression. So if you are just prone to being passive, and doubts, fears, and negativity just roam freely in your mind, and you are victimized and powerless, I can't do it. I'm going to fail. Well, then, of course, the habit continues to get reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. So we need to reframe the way you think. You need to first separate that this is my voice of insecurity, and I shall not reinforce it, because now we're talking about breaking habits. You know about habits. You've done this before. You know how difficult it is to break a habit. You know the resistance of habit-breaking. But nevertheless, there's no shortcut. There's no magic abracadabra. You know, you're not going to go back and find the truth that's going to set you free. And then all of a sudden, your struggles will stop. That's a naive view. But I have to admit, many people come into therapy, and this is what they're looking for. They think that once they uncover the truth, why they struggled, whether the potty training was too strict, once they discover that that secret catalyst for all their insecurities, then they'll be set free. The truth will not set you free. What will set you free is the consistent work over time to break the habits of insecurity. You can't have it both ways. You can't go on feeding insecurity driven thinking and expect to feel better. Well, it would be like the cigarette smoker who says, Well, I don't want to go through withdrawal. You know, that's too hard. I don't want to have to suffer. Well, if you want to break the habits that are ruining and ruling your life, then you're going to have to go through some discomfort. You're going to have to feel somewhat vulnerable at times because insecurity has convinced you that you need to worry about things. You need to retreat. You need to worry. These are the ploys, the illusions of control that have convinced you that you have to go on kowtowing to these habits. So if you want to break these habits, you have to enlist the active consciousness of your mind, and you need to realize that you're not powerless. You may not be able to stop that thought from percolating into your mind, but what you can do is not contribute, to not add to it, to not support that thought, to refute it any way you can, but to dig your heels in and realize that that is my insecurity talking. I am not my insecurity differentiate what's healthy in you. So what's healthy in you is saying, wait a second, this habit is ruling my life. How do you stop worrying? How do you stop the negatives? Well, that's where the conscious mind comes in and wrestles. This is combat. You are combating the insecurity reflex that is so formidable at this point, and your self-trust muscle is, at this point, rather impotent. So you have to risk self-trust. You have to risk putting down that worry and just forging ahead, say, tomorrow in the job that you feel uncertain about, or that you have to risk feeling that you're not going to hell in a handbasket. It may feel risky, but unless you stop trying to control and over-control life because you're not up to handling life, then you're not going to be unneurotic. neurotic So you can't have it both ways. If you want to break the habit of anxiety, depression, emotional struggle, then you must start realizing your blind allegiance to stoking the fires of insecurity, the habit of insecurity. Which brings us to principle number seven. A good coach is a good motivator. Now, I just mentioned that there's no question that breaking habits requires effort over time. Practice. If you really, truly want to extricate your life from struggle, then you you can keep looking for fixes, quick fixes. You can keep looking for magic words, that next book, the new car that you might want,
1: whatever it might
0: be, that whatever shiny object has you convinced that that's all you need and everything will be fine. Well, God bless. But if you really get tired of seeking quick answers, and keep coming back to the same old, same old, then I suggest you take a good hard look at the fact that maybe, this is my contention, of course, maybe why you struggle has to do with the habits of insecurity. And a habit needs to be broken. Habits are resistant. There's no question that habits don't want to let you go. Because your brain has now been altered. Altered. This is neuroplasticity. Habits form habit loops in our brains, and our brains have now been shaped by the habits of our life. And this is not fantasy. I mean, we know that learning actually changes the anatomy of the brain. So we need to unlearn the habits that imprison us. And that begins by first neutralizing the habit, and then it begins by establishing a more formidable habit, a habit of being more objective, a habit of standing apart from insecurity and risking self-trust. Self-trust is the ultimate answer, but you need to get there. You need to develop the habit of self-trust. It's going to take some time. You're going to have to practice it over time, every day. And don't... Don't be weak need about this. There's going, this going to be a learning curve here. You're not going to be able to risk self-trust just by listening to a podcast or reading a book. You need to develop self-trust by, by walking the walk, facing the doubts, the fears, the negatives, and realizing if it's driven by insecurity, then you need to cease and resist. You need to not contribute to that. And you need to motivate yourself. You need to fight the good fight. But if you believe your struggles are habits, let that be your motivation. Let that be the incentive for going forward, for doing the yeoman's work that's necessary, for building that healthy muscle of self-trust. So we need the right attitude. We need proper motivation. And it all comes down to cultivating a positive frame of mind infusing a can-do attitude with energy. Motivation is energy. Optimism is energy. So if you really want to coach yourself to motivate yourself, start trying the best you can to embrace optimism. Optimism is fuel. It releases you in the present. It energizes you. And why not? Pessimism is a choice. So is optimism. Why not Insist, believe, risk that you can do this. And why not begin with a positive affirmation? I'm going to beat this. Thank you for joining me this week. And if you'd like to dig a bit deeper into the seven principles of self-coached healing, well, let me suggest my book, Self-Coaching, The Powerful Program to Beat Anxiety and Depression. And you'll find a lot more information on our last two topics and if you'd like to reach me directly to discuss today's podcast or make suggestions for upcoming topics or episodes or for any other reason go to my website www.selfcoaching.net and click the contact button and we shall communicate i most i would like to also mention that i'm toying around with the idea of including guests in these podcasts to talk about specific problems uh, if, if you think that might be an interesting format I, i'd love your feedback as to whether i should pursue this it just seems that working with an actual person an anonymous person uh, and my applying my self-coaching techniques uh, might be a bit more direct to to a listener to grasp the essence of how self-coaching can be applied to real-life situations. If you think that would be a good idea, well, I'd love your feedback. And if so, I will start to dig into the complexities of setting up such a format. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, that's not an option. By definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless so remember everything's hard until you make it simple so how about joining me every week and what you say we make it simple Living together yourself, reach out for your dreams don't surrender there is more than it seems oh.